I want you to turn in your Bibles this uh, evening as we are thinking about uh, deacons and we're thinking about uh, what the role of the deacon is. I want you to turn to books, chapters, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts, chapter 6. And we're all familiar with this passage, but I believe the Lord has a word for us uh, this evening. And uh, I've entitled this evening's message, Why Deacons? Why Deacons? Why do we have them? I mean, that's a, that's a, a good question to ask, is it not? I mean, why do, why do we have deacons? Well, I'm going to go ahead and summarize it very shortly. We have deacons because it's a biblical office. It's a biblical office. There's only two ordained offices. That's the pastor and the deacon. Okay? And so we're just doing what the book tells us to do. So, but the question, what do they do? What is their purpose? We're hopefully going to answer uh, that tonight. So if you have your Bibles, you're uh, in uh, Acts chapter 6, starting with verse number 1. This is what the Word says, and it says, In those days, uh, when the numbers of the disciples... Now, when they're talking about disciples here, it's talking about the followers, talking about those that are uh, members of the church. He says, uh, of the disciples was multiplied... Uh, there arose a murmur of the uh, Grecian uh, against the Hebrews. Okay, so here it's the church, and apparently there is uh, some issues here. Okay, and the issue is that this one group was having uh, some difficulties with the other group. And uh, when we come uh, to further investigate, we realize it was unfounded. What they were concerned with was unfounded. And so it goes on, there was a problem that arose. And, and in, uh, it goes on and says, And because uh, their widows were neglected in the daily ministry. So this group thought that their widows... Now understand the context here. Uh, the, the, when you was a, a, a widow back in these days, it's not like it is today. There was no social security, there was no pension plans, nothing like that. And it was the responsibility of the church to take care of the widows. Well, one group didn't think that their widows were being treated right or were not being ministered to. So there was a problem. And so, verse number 2. Then the twelve, talking about the apostles, then the twelve apostles called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should uh, leave the word of God and to serve tables. The twelve apostles, they were taking care uh, and doing the ministry. Well, the church had grown in such a large way that they just couldn't do the job. So they said, we need to call the church together. So they called the church together and they said, now we feel that our responsibility is to be in the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God. And we need some help. It's not that they didn't think that they were uh, above doing the work. It's just that they were looking at it and saying, we just cannot handle the load that we're having to handle. Okay? Everybody getting this? And so verse number 3 says, Well, for, brethren, look ye out among you seven men. So they're saying, here's how we're going to fix this. 
We're going to let you look out amongst you. That's exactly what we did when we had deacon selection. You looked out amongst the crowd here, the congregation, and you picked out men, and it goes on and says, and you pick out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom when, uh, when whom you may appoint over this business. Now, the business they're talking about was not the business of the church, so to speak. It was the business of serving. Okay? It was the business of serving. Verse number 4. But we will uh, give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And then we're going to stop there. And so here's the problem. Why do we have deacons? Well, we're having deacons because if you go back to the early church, the early church was needing men that could do the work of ministry. And so the church looked amongst them, and they picked out seven men that they believe met the qualifications. Now, the first thing that we need to see tonight is there was a problem in the church. Now, I know this is news to you, and you're going to be, I am not believing this. But there can be problems in the church. So there was a problem here in the church. And you'll say, well, it doesn't seem like that was a big deal of a problem to me. Well, it was a big deal to them. Okay? It was a big deal to them. And so uh, the apostle said, we've got to do something about this. Now understand, uh, they were getting bogged down in doing the serving that they were neglecting or not doing what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to be preaching and teaching and getting in the Word of God. Well, they're having to take time away from that because they're trying to do the ministry. They're, they're, They're trying to serve these widows. They're trying to take care of needs. And so uh, they're saying we got to have some help. Well, the reason why we have deacons today is because there's problems that come up in the church. And the pastor uh, cannot handle all the problems that come up in the church. Now we think that the pastor is supposed to take care of that. I don't understand. Why are we paying him? Well, if you look at the, the qualifications of the pastor and, and, and hear what I'm saying now. The the, the The pastor is supposed to be feeding you, encouraging you, training you, teaching and preaching the Word. That's his main responsibility. That's not to say that he can't go out and dig a ditch. Uh, The pastor's not beyond that. But that's not what he's been called to do. He has been called to shepherd the flock and to feed the flock. That's his responsibility. But he cannot do that if he's having to do all of the other ministries that need to be going on within the church. That's the reason why we have deacons. Deacons are to take care of the problems that arise in the church. Now, I want you to also notice... Uh, there had uh, the Holy Spirit had quit moving in their midst. Remember at Pentecost, at Pentecost, uh, there was three thousand men. That's not counting the boys, uh, boys and girls, and, and, and wives. Uh, and then later on, we see there were five thousand added to the church. It has been estimated that the church at Jerusalem had anywhere between twenty and fifty thousand members. And now they're saying we cannot handle it. And that's when they said, pick out among you those that would take care of the ministry aspect. We need to understand tonight that these two, Aaron and James, are coming on uh, a board, if you will, 
And they are coming, and we've talked about this in ordination camp. They're, they're coming to be servants. They're coming to minister to you. They are to serve you. First and foremost, they serve the Lord Jesus. We understand that. But they're here to serve you. When there's problems that arise, we have deacons that will come together and they are supposed to do the work of the ministry aspect of the church. Now, they're not supposed to, and here we go, that they're not responsible for taking care of everything. They can't take care of all the problems as well. We have to work this thing together, but the deacons are at the forefront. They're in the trenches, if you will. I want you to know that we have some of the most excellent godly men of God that I've ever had the privilege of serving with. And I'm saying that with full confidence. I've been in many churches, and I'm telling you, God has blessed us with some godly men, with some godly wisdom who love the Lord Jesus, who love this church, and understand what their role is. Their role is to serve you. Aaron, James... I know, and we already answered this, you're up to the task. You understand that's what you're responsible for. But then we also see there was murmuring. There was some complaining going on. Here again, I know, I know, I know. I never heard of such. Well, there's murmuring. Now, that's an interesting word. The word means secret debate. Oh, you've seen them out there in the hallways. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I don't know about you, but have you heard this? And then they see somebody like, I'm coming down the hallway, and all of a sudden they, they, they hey, brother, my how's it going? Oh, everything's good. Like that. Am I tell, not telling the truth? There was murmuring. Why? Because there was a problem in the church. Now, understand, we should not have murmuring in the church. We should go ahead, and if you have an issue or you perceive you have a problem, you need to go to either the pastor or you need to go to your deacons, and you don't need to be secretive about it. You don't need to be, you need no, here's what happens in the church. I'm just going to go ahead and be transparent with you tonight. We're going to be truthful tonight. Here's what we'll do. There's something that just got under my crawl, and so I'm not going to go to a deacon and say, could you explain this to me? Oh, no, 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 no. That's too biblical and that's too godly. Not going to do that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get my little group together, and we're going to go ahead, and we're going to stir this thing up to something gets done about that. I want you to know you are out of God's will when you do something like that. You're out of God's will. It's God's will for us to go to one another when we have issues. It is God's will that you go to a deacon and say, Deacon, uh, I just want you to know, I'm not here to complain, even though you are. Uh, but I'm here to say, I perceive this to be a problem. Can you help me with this problem? I'm telling you, 99.9% of the time, it could get resolved right there in that conversation. But we don't want to do that. Aaron and James, you're going to understand there are going to be some that will want to bend your ear and they're going to come to you and they're going to present to you, and they're not going to tell you this, but they're going to present to you their agenda. Hey, this is the way I think this thing ought to operate. And I've been talking to some other people who feel the same way that I do, which usually means there's one other person that agrees with them. Am I not telling you the truth? 
They say, well, brother, we came for an ordination service. We didn't come to get beat up on. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just telling you this is the way the church ought to operate. I mean, and so the deacons, they, they, they come because there were problems. There was problems with the widows. And so they realized, and, and this is it's good advice to us. They realize, and we need to realize what our responsibilities as leaders are to be. Our deacons are supposed to take care of the problems. And when I say a problem, I'm not talking about some petty little thing. I'm not talking about you don't like it because uh, I, I, don't, I just don't like the way we did that. Now, there was nothing biblically wrong why we did it. I just, I just personally just don't, I just don't like it. Well, you know what? To me, that's not a problem. The problem is you need to go ahead and overlook that little pettiness and get focused upon what the real reason why we exist here is to see lost people get saved and to edify the body of believers. And, and so our deacons are here today. Now, notice in verse number 2, they had priorities. Our deacons need to understand there are priorities. What's really important? That's what they need to discern. They need to get together when someone says, hey, I just want you guys to know, I got stopped in the hallway and this is what was presented to me. And then they not only talk about it, but they pray about it. By the way, while we're talking about that, there's no need to have knee-jerk reactions to things. Because you all know there are always two sides to the story that you've gotten. But you just hear one side. And so we need to take time. We need to have discernment. And we need to get down and honestly seek God. And if it perceives that this is not that important, then we need to go ahead and put it off to the back burner and really go after the things that are really problems within the church. But here's why Satan. Satan is not going to stir up some real big deal. He stirs up the little stuff because he knows that we're going to spend all of our time and all our energy little petty, nonsense type things and we get bogged down on that and the things that really need to be addressed never get addressed. Okay? So we got to have priorities. That's what our deacons do. Our deacons help us to see what's important. And so here's the priority they had. Is the Word of God more important than the ministry aspect? Now, understand here, we do need the Word of God. We need to have preaching and teaching of the Word of God. But we also need to have ministry. We need to meet people's needs. That's part of the church. That's what the deacons help us to do. They help us to meet the needs of our people. And before we go ahead and start discounting all little things, if someone's come to you with the right attitude, with the the, the right uh, uh, heart, and tell you, I I just want you to know, this is what I'm wrestling with here. Can you help me with this? And you say, well, that doesn't seem like a big of a deal to me. Well, it was a big deal because if it wasn't that big of a deal, they never would come and talk to you. By the way, if they're not coming to talk to you and you hear it out here somewhere, it's probably not that important. If it's really important, you're going to go and find somebody. And you will say, well, I don't see that to be. But to them, it was a big deal. And we still have to meet the needs of our people. And we have to have priorities. And we all understand that we got to work together. 
That we're in this thing together. Our deacons can't do it by themselves. The pastor can't do it by themselves. The staff can't do it by itself. We have to have each one of us encouraging one another and helping one another. But then we also see, here was the proposal. Look at verses 3 through 5. The proposal was that they were going to do the business of the church. Now, this may go into meddling, but... It's the word. It, the, when it says the business at hand is not to say that the deacons are to be taking care of the business of the church. They were to take care of the serving of tables. Am I right? A deacon is to be a servant. A deacon is not to be a board. I've heard that term, well, the board of deacons. That, you know where we got that word? We got it from the secular corporate world. We don't have a board of deacons here. We have a fellowship of deacons, but not a board of deacons. And they understand they are to be servants. Yes, we take care of issues that arise. Yes, they take care of, uh, 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 of problems that, uh, uh, and, and, and needs of the people here. But we're not doing, we're not running the church. By the way, the church, and I'll go ahead and throw this out here. I got in trouble uh, some time ago in another church I was at when I made this statement. I said the church is not a democracy, it's a theocracy. Oh my gosh. They like flogged me. What do you mean? We got a say-so in things. I said, well, you might have a say-so, but the church was never built upon a democracy. It's built upon the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you, are you hearing me tonight? Yes, you, we want your input. Yes, we understand when you have needs that we need to meet those needs, but I'm telling you, no one runs this church except the Lord Jesus Christ and the ones that He has placed under His authority. And the bottom line is, the authority that we have here of running this church is what the Lord Jesus said to do, and what Jesus said about running the church. Okay? And so, they, they did the business. Now, I want you to look at verse number 2. It says that they were to wait tables. Now, the meaning of the word here in verse number 2 means they were to kick up dust. Now, this is a good word here. They were supposed to be so busy doing ministry that they were kicking up dust. They were so busy to go and to meet the needs of the people within the congregation, they were kicking up dust. They weren't kicking up controversy. They weren't kicking up uh, division. They were kicking up dust. They were so delighted and they understood what their role was. They were supposed to be servants and they were fervent about it and they were uh, glad to be able to be used of God to serve others within the church. And we've lost sight of that in too many of our churches that this thing is about us. This thing's not about us. This thing is about helping one another and meeting others needs that's what the role of the deacon that's what a deacon's supposed to be and then we go on and see he says uh, this is the kind of man that you need to be selecting first of all they need to be men of honest report when we select deacons we should select men that we can trust and have integrity 
we have those. These two men that are going to be ordained tonight, they're men of honest report. And they've already alluded to it in our nation council that they will, if you come to them and you ask them a question, they're going to be honest with you. Now, you might not like the answer they give you, but that's a different story. They're going to be honest with you. Aren't you glad to know that we have deacons who can have integrity in what they say? Their yay is yay and they no is no. They're men of honest report. So there should be good men. We got two good men that are going to be serving us. But the second thing is they need to be godly men. Godly men. What does that mean? They need to be spirit-filled, full of the Holy Ghost. Because if they're not spirit-filled, they cannot be spirit-led. And if they're not spirit-led, they cannot be in leadership. Right? You don't want a deacon that's not spirit-filled. Now, when I say spirit-filled, I don't mean that they can jump a pew or, or, or two, you know, with a single bounce and run up and down the aisle. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spirit-filled. It means they're controlled by the Spirit. They're men that when you come to them, they're not going to snap and give you a quick answer just to get you out of the way. Spirit-filled men have discernment about them. Spirit-filled men would say, hey, I really don't have an answer right now, but I'm going to go and try to find that answer. Spirit-filled men will not just take one side of the story. They're going to get both sides of the story. And they're going to ask God to give them direction and give them guidance and to give them wisdom. That's what a spirit-filled man is. And not only are they godly men, but how do we know if they're spirit-filled? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. They should exhibit some fruit, right? These men that will be before you tonight, they have exhibit, they have evidence of being spirit-filled. Why? Because we can go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and we can say, yep, they got that, got that, got that, got that. Spirit-filled men is what... But also they need to be gifted men. Gifted men. What does that mean? They need to be full of wisdom. They, when they have to make decisions, do not base their decisions on opinions. They don't base the decisions that they're making on what their family has to say about the issue. When they have to make decisions, they don't go and take a survey and say, well, what do y'all think about this? Because if they have to do that, then that tells me that they're not seeking God's will. The decisions they make, they pray over it and they wrestle over it and they look and get godly counsel and they don't jump to the gun and they sit back and look at the big picture of things. And so there are men of wisdom and they're making decisions not based on anything except the fact, is this God's will for this church? Not is this God's will for my family, not is this God's will for me, but what is best for this church? And we have those men. And I'm so grateful that I'm a part of a church that I believe with all of my heart that these men don't snap and say, this is what I think, this is what I think. They're seeking God's will. And sometimes... 
That might not match up to your will. But God's will always is the best way to go. You might not see it now, but on down the road, you'll see it. But then we also see that out of this group that was called, two that stick out in mind. First of all, Stephen. Stephen was a deacon. Did you know that? And the Bible says this about Stephen. He was a man full of the Holy Ghost. You remember Stephen. Stephen was being um, beaten uh, uh, to death. But yet, he looked up and the Bible said he saw the glory of the Lord. Stephen was a deacon. He was a spirit-filled man. But we also see Philip. Philip was a deacon. And we all know the story about how God used Philip. And so we see here that this is, why do we have deacons? We have deacons because we have problems in the church. We have deacons because there has to be someone that helps us to make priorities. We also see the proposal that they were going to bring to you what they feel like God's will is for this church. But we also have qualifications. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. No need to turn to that. going to go through it very quickly. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see qualifications. Not every man meets the qualification of a deacon. Now hear me. For some reason, we've gotten bent out of shape over that. We'll say things like, well, this man right here is just as good as man as that servant as that deacon. I don't understand why he can't be a deacon. He didn't meet the qualifications. And there's nothing. It's almost like, well, if I can't be a deacon, I can't serve. That's foolish. God can use you. You just don't meet the qualification. I don't know. Why do we get so hungry? Let me tell you. If I went to you and I said, I understand that you need, like Miss Billy's going to have, I understand that you need to have a knee replacement surgery, a knee surgery. And I want you to know, I love you very much, Miss Billy, and I really always wanted to do knee surgery. And could I just go ahead and let you be the first one that I do that operation on? I already know what she's going to say. She says, absolutely not. Don't even come near me. Don't touch me. No. Why? Because have you gone to medical school? Well, no, you know, you know, I'm, I, I'm on the fast track here, okay, to being a doctor. And I'm going to bypass medical school. I'm going to bypass a residency. And, and then she said, well, you don't meet the qualifications. Well, I am appalled that you think that I'm not qualified to serve you. It, and and, and uh, what do you say? That's silly. That's silly. No, same thing. I don't meet the qualifications. Why? Because the qualifications say you've got to have this. This is what you're supposed to do. I haven't done any of that. I'm not qualified. Hey, I'm okay with that. But when it comes to spiritual matters, we get all tore up about it. What do you mean I don't make qualifications for it? Because God's Word said, here's the qualifications. Man didn't come up with the qualifications. We can go ahead and argue all we want to about the qualifications. But the bottom line is, God says, here's the qualifications. And if you do not meet these qualifications, you can't be a deacon. That doesn't say that you cannot be used of God. I know some godly men that would not have the qualification to be a deacon. That does not make them second class citizens. 
God's still using them and using them in a mighty way. They just don't meet the qualifications. Why do we get so hung up? Of, well, here's what God says. Now, that would be a different story if I came up and I said, okay, here's the qualifications. They're going to have this, that, that. You could argue that point and you would probably prove me wrong. But I'm not the one who came up with the qualifications. God came up with the qualifications. And just to go ahead, rest of the fact, you can still be used of God. You just cannot be used in the role of a deacon. What is the big hoopty deal? Just get over some things. And, and, and I'm seeing it. I have seen it too many times. Well, if I can't be a deacon, I'll bless it won't do anything. That's the very reason why you didn't need to be a deacon because of your sorry attitude. Now I'm getting stirred up over this. And I'm not angry at anybody. I'm just saying, if we're going to do this thing, we need to do it God's way. And God has blessed us by sticking to the book. And we will continue to stick to the book. You might not like it. That's okay. I can't help that. I still love you and the Lord. But the book is the book. And what it says in the book is what we're going to do. We're not going to cower down to it. We're not going to get, get with the times, Brother Mike. We're in a different culture now. Last time I checked, the Word of God still the Word of God. He hadn't changed. We've changed. We've changed how we do church. But God hadn't changed. And so we see here the qualifications. Now, what are the qualifications? Very quickly, it says likewise. Now, he just gave the qualifications of a bishop or a pastor. And so he goes on and he talks about wives. And we understand that the Bible is quite clear that uh, you're to be the husband of one wife. It's pretty clear there. Uh, We also see that you should be of honest report. You also see, and here's, here's one where we're already seeing there are many who have gone away from this. The Bible is quite clear to be able, the qualification for a deacon is you should not consume alcoholic beverages. Period. I'm not talking about so, I'm not talking about any liquor at all. And there's some churches, well, we don't see it. Then you ain't going by the book. The book is quite clear. Well, it says in excess, well, we can go ahead and pull scripture after scripture. Where I believe the text, and by the way, that's not just for a deacon, that's for every believer. Social drinking is not acceptable. Period. No question asked. We're not going to debate over it. We're just going to tell you, we're going to take what the book says about it, and the book says you should not consume alcoholic beverages. We've stood on that for years. Don't see that changing. I don't care who's behind this pulpit, just not going to change. But then he goes on and talks about um, a number of other things. They've got to be the rulers over their household, and we can go on and on and on. Now, here's where we're coming. We are presenting to you tonight two men that I believe meet these qualifications that Scripture tells us, and also... We're presenting them to you because their attitude is they're not coming to rule over us. They're not coming to run things. They're come to serve. 
And that's the kind of deacon I want to have. Why do we need deacons? We need deacons because we cannot do this by ourselves. I'm glad to know I could pick up the phone at any time and call any of our deacons and say, Brother, I got a problem here. I need you to help pray about this. And there's something that we need to have something taken care of. Every single one of them said, Brother Mike, where do you need me? And how fast do I need to get there? I have no problems. I could call them up at any time. By the way, you should have that same confidence as well. We don't put deacon on call and their phone numbers just to take up space. We're putting that there for you to let you know if you have a need, here's who you need to call. Here's who you need to call. And so we've come and we've looked at why do we have deacons? We have deacons because first and foremost, the Word of God says we need to have deacons. And second of all, ministry is way too much for just a select few to be taken care of. Every one of us need to be ministers. Every one of us need to be serving in some form or fashion, whatever it may be. We're fixing to come to invitation. This invitation, maybe you're here tonight, and I know this was not an evangelistic message, but maybe you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We're going to give you an opportunity. I've had many say, well, Brother Mike, why do you, you know, Sunday night crowd, man, you can pretty much count on that's the cream of the crop. Can I? I don't know who has slipped in on a Sunday night. Why do y'all always give invitations? Because Jesus always gave an invitation. Sounds good enough for me. We give an invitation so you can respond to what God's already been working in your heart. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to get saved. This invitation's for you. Church, we understand and we've kind of directed our message towards our deacons. But church, you also have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to be lifting these deacons up in your prayers. You have a responsibility to be encouraging to them. They usually, when they hear from you, it's usually because there's a problem. Wouldn't it be refreshing for our deacons and for the rest that are in leadership position, that you just come up and say, hey, just want you to know, appreciate what you've done. No strings attached, no problem, you know. Hey, I just want you to know, I'm praying for you, and I want to encourage you. I'm telling you, that will fire them up faster than anything else. Man, they're going to come out thinking, oh, praise God, man, that they're praying for me. They're going to encourage me. So church, you have a responsibility as well. Maybe we just need to come tonight around this altar and we just need to make a commitment that I'm going to pray for my deacon. I'm going to lift up the leadership of this church. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to encourage them.
Deacons, maybe you just need to come and you can say, you know what? I probably haven't done a good as job as I should of serving the people here. And maybe you just need to go ahead and get that taken care of. Whatever the Lord's led upon your heart, this is our time of invitation. Now we're going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing tonight.